Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello and welcome to Safety Talk. On this show, we discuss and bring attention to a wide range of personal safety and security products and solutions that are available to both businesses and individuals in the digital world and the physical world. I am your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan, as a self-employed information technology consultant since 1995 and as a martial artist for over 20 years. I bring decades of personal safety and security experience to my role as the host of this show. To learn more about how we can help your corporation, college, or conference, you can visit my personal website at PeteCanavan.com. So thanks so much to our listeners for being here. We really appreciate you helping us spread the word and the love about Safety Talk in your social circles. So we've got another great guest for you guys today. She is a former real estate agent who has taught thousands of agents across the country to live and work safely for over 25 years, has taught agents how to live more safely. She's also created the country's only real estate safety designation, the Consumer Safety and Security Specialist, CSSS. And that is designed to teach agents to make more money working safely as they are also protecting the consumer. Obviously very important. She's a regular safety expert and contributor for the National Association of Realtors, uh, Realtor Magazine, and Realtor.org. So it is my pleasure to welcome Tracy, the safety lady Hawkins, to Safety Talk. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, Pete. Thank you for having me. Sure. It's great to have you on. Uh, you know, you've been doing an incredible job, you know, bringing safety awareness to, you know, real estate agents and, you know, the public and, you know, the concerns that exist there by appearing on, you know, a lot of different shows on TV and radio and, you know, contributing to different publications. So getting the word out is is awesome. I applaud you for that because, you know, as you know, and uh, and as I, you know, having the show here, obviously we know somebody's personal safety is of paramount importance. And, you know, that's what Safety Talk is all about, improving the safety and security of others by really any means necessary. That includes education and training and, and all sorts of different methods. Agreed. Agreed. So let's uh, let's start off by having you tell our audience a little bit how, and because I'm interested as well, and I'm sure they are, how you went from, you know, real estate agent to becoming an advocate for sort of the safety and, and well-being of your fellow real estate agents and the people they serve. Right. Um, I have a twin sister and she and I got our real estate licenses <clears throat> years ago. She'll get mad if I say the number, but it, uh, over three decades ago, let's do that. And um, I, we did that for a while and I decided real estate sales was not necessarily a good fit for me. So I was trying to find something to do. And I am the girl who wanted to do something a little different and I wanted to save the world. Um, I read a lot of entrepreneurial books um, about small businesses, what was the trend, what was going on. And I saw the safety business was, um, it was just starting to grow. Everyone was starting some version of a safety business. So I started out when I was working, I started part-time by selling safety products wholesale to local stores. So that included things like pepper spray, doorstop alarms, just different safety products. I did that wholesale for a while. And then I took the plunge. I opened a retail store in a mall. So now I had to fill an entire store with safety items. So what I did is I had different sections. I had the auto safety section, uh, auto security. I had baby safety. I had personal safety. So I filled a store with safety items. I Very did that cool. for almost about three years. And the deal with the mall is that you have to be there mall hours or your store has to be open mall hours. So after a while, if sometimes if my employees didn't make it in, 
I was there from 10 in the morning till night at night. So I said, I've got to get out of here. And I think it was my sister who came up with the idea. She said, hey, what about doing safety training for agents? You know, our jobs are kind of dangerous. And a light bulb went off. And then I started doing safety programs around town, around here, the Kansas City area. And then I did that for a few years and got to know what I was doing. And then I launched nationally. And I started speaking all across the country because there are not a lot of people who do what I do. Um, a lot of people, there are a lot of safety people, as you know, but not a lot with the specialty of real estate safety. So I was able to go and, and um, basically make myself an expert. And then I started thinking what other field relates to this home health field. Someone told me um, one time, they said, you talk about real estate agents who are going into strangers' homes. What about home health workers? They're doing the exact same thing. So then I developed a program for home health workers. Um, although the real estate program has pretty much taken over um, everything, and I am now evening it out, and I am looking at how dangerous home health is because I have experience with that because I have um, seniors in my family who I'm a caregiver for. So it's like time to get back on track and helping, you know, facilities of nursing homes and home health um, workers help them be safe. So sure, another niche because, I, I, you know, safety is important. And I think, you know, we realize, unfortunately, the importance of safety after there's a problem. And, you know, a lot of people don't like talking about it because it's sort of a, an uncomfortable topic. They don't like to think about, you know, what could happen to them, you know, specifically like when you're talking to people about real estate agents is, you know, what could possibly happen to them, you know, when they meet somebody. And, and we all know that uh, it's the sort of thing where you may have someone who's a predator or uh, some sort of person bent on whatever it happens to be, you know, rape, rob, kill uh, a realtor. And, you know, they might be looking in the paper, they see their listings, they see a picture of maybe an attractive agent. They look at the listings that agent has, maybe they try to find one that's off the beaten path and, you know, call, express an interest, say, hey, I'd love to take a look at this property. And, you know, they sound great. And they go out and they meet the person at the property, but it might be far away from other people. And now there's a huge risk there. So there have to be a lot of safety sort of procedures and policies that the agent needs to follow in order to maximize their personal safety and um, and other people that go in homes as well. But I've, I've done uh, personal safety seminars for real estate agents, actually self-defense seminars to teach them, you know, some basic ways that they can protect themselves if, you know, somebody does try to physically, uh, you know, accost them and uh, how to, how to escape because it's important to know. And it's important that we drill, good habits, you know, not just necessarily physical self-defense, although it's obviously a good one, but right. just overall good safety habits and practices and make it routine so that we're always careful, uh, you know, in our day-to-day -day jobs and, and in this, you know, case specifically, uh, you know, real estate agents. So, Right. And one thing you said that um, I want to point out, you mentioned um, that they're attractive. You see an attractive picture. And in my class, I do talk about pictures, making sure they use um, professional pictures. And then one thing is, I, it struck me one time I had an agent said, um, when I was talking about don't use your picture unless it's professional and, or unless you absolutely have to because it makes you more of a target. She said, I'm too old and ugly. No one wants me. And that is not necessarily accurate because if you look at criminals, um, the criminals are looking for the easiest target. And sometimes they're necessarily looking for the most attractive target. Um, they may be looking for someone who is older, 
someone who has blue eyes, brown hair, someone who's younger, um, smalls, big, it doesn't matter. They, they pick someone who is going to be an easy target. So when I hear the lady say, oh, I don't have to worry about anything, and I, that's when I call timeout. Um, that's when I say everyone still needs to worry about their safety. Everyone still needs to be prepared. And Pete, I wrote, um, you mentioned that I write for the National Association of Realtors, Realtor Magazine. Back in 2017, I wrote an article about four ways the male agents uh, put themselves in danger. It was the most read article of the year across all articles on their website. That article struck a nerve because typically guys think, ah, safety has nothing to do with me. This is for the women and um, article. And when I do my presentation on the screen, I have the name of seven men, seven male agents who within the last couple or so years have been everything from murdered on the job to assaulted. So what I say is in a job where the job description reads that you have to sit in an empty house and wait for strangers to walk in. You have to meet strangers in an empty house. It's a dangerous occupation. So sure, because you have no idea who those people are. You don't know. You have no idea. They could be dressed very professionally. They could be very articulate and speak very well. But they're just maybe casing the joint out to see. Hey, is there anybody else around? You know, what you know, and and maybe wait to to strike when they feel the opportunity is there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a scary uh, thing when you when you think about it. And okay, is the likelihood that great? Well, maybe not, but just for the same reason that you have a fire drill or you have car insurance. I mean, exactly. it's sort of a what if there is exactly. an issue, you need to know what you would do and not, uh, you know, freeze up and right. panic because that's the worst thing that you can do. Exactly. You have to be prepared no matter what. And I tell agents that they need to have a safety plan. And you know, this, and the, the, the conversation is pretty much the same for agents as well as home health workers. Um, because I've been in a situation recently where I've had to hire a home health worker for a family, for a couple of family members, as a matter of fact. And I'm looking at these people coming into this house. They don't know who's there. They don't know anyone who's there. And I've even asked the question, you know, do they um, give you any training? And the answer is typically no. So that scares me. Um, Same thing with the real estate community, although the real estate community is a little bit better about it. However, there's there's no criteria. When it talks about, uh, when you talk about safety training, there's no, let's make sure we get the best trainer. Sometimes, and I hate to say it, sometimes it's the warm body approach. Whoever can read a PowerPoint to do the safe practices. So that's why I've made it a point to to educate myself, to do the research, and I live and breathe real estate safety. So, um, and I definitely agree with the different layers of safety training. That includes self-defense, but I know you'll agree with this. When someone takes a self-defense class, you can't take just one and be done with it. It has to be ongoing that way. Um, They don't take one class and think, oh, I'm covered. And the same thing with safe work practices. It's not just one or two things you have to do. You have to actually learn the proper protocols. And not only that, but you have to follow them. So having been a former agent, I know that it has to be realistic. So let's let's talk uh, because, you know, we talk about online safety, we talk about offline safety and the importance of both. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's something I cover on the show all the time, you know, from cybersecurity to physical security and safety of valuables and possessions to obviously personal safety uh, in a physical sense, as well as identity safety and, you know, identity theft prevention and things like that. So there are a lot of threats to personal safety. So let's let's take a a look uh, online first. Uh, What are some of the things that you try to bring agents' attention to 
on the online side of things. We'll talk about that first to try to improve their personal safety. One thing that I've done recently is that I have talked about four virtual practices, safety practices that agents need to be aware of. And a lot of times they're not thinking about it. We know agents can't go and show property for the most part. They just can't do it. In order to stay relevant, in order to stay productive, they had to figure a way around it. So they've gone online. So agents right now are working online. So I always start with them. My training now has evolved, as you can imagine. I'm, I'm teaching a different class now than I was even two, three, four months ago. So now I'm talking to them about being safe online. So I am saying that if you are going to use a platform like Zoom, there are a few steps that you can take to make it safer. Everyone hears those news stories about Zoom bombing, and that is preventable, so easily preventable by doing a couple of things. One is first and foremost, having a, a password. And I remember I was the person whenever someone sent me an invitation for a Zoom meeting, I remember, oh gosh, I have to enter a password, what a hassle. <laughs> now, that's the thing that makes the process safer. And I don't mind jotting down, what is it, less than 10 numbers to enter a password and to enter a Zoom meeting in a secure manner. I don't mind it. Now, you have to, as a host, make sure that you don't allow just anyone to pop in a Zoom meeting throughout the meeting. You need to lock the doors after a certain amount of time. And you also um, eliminate the waiting room. You need to eliminate in your settings the ability for them to videotape and um, to tape audio and video. There's no need for them to do it. You can do it as the host, but they don't need to do it. So taking a few steps like that can help make the Zoom meetings a little more secure. Agents right now are doing what's called virtual tours. So you're seeing it all over the place. Agents are either employing a service to do it or they're grabbing their phones and they're doing FaceTime live or they're doing a live Zoom or even a video. So what I am telling agents is you need to be careful what's showing in the background. They're not right. So there may be a weapons collection, jewelry collection, expensive electronics in the media room. Um, those handbags are awfully expensive. If you're showing a big closet, a walk-in closet, the handbag, jewelry, anything of value. I am telling agents, make sure those don't show up in the picture. I saw a um, virtual tour recently, and I, it was like shopping, um, online shopping. They weren't, the agent wasn't focused on the room. They were focused on how pretty the things were in the room. So I'm telling agents, be careful with what you show in the background. And along those same lines with a virtual tour, um, agents are going live. And there's some benefit of actually going live and saying, hey, this is where I am. We're in real time today. I have to stress that when you're telling people where you are, and keep in mind in the real estate community, stalking is a big deal. All across the country, everywhere I go, someone has a story, either them or someone they know. So you're telling people maybe would be predators where you are. You're also telling them where you aren't. And right, a lot of times right. think, oh, what's the big deal? No one knows where I am. There are websites, and you know this better than I do. There are websites that are dedicated to compiling information on every single one of us and making it easy for someone to click a button and order that information, get a report on anything and everything about you. And the scary part is when in my classes, when someone says, oh, I'm not on the internet or I don't do social media, so I'm okay. My 81-year-old aunt never touched a computer. I was able to go to one of those websites, pull up everything about her. I 
couldn't tell her that she wouldn't be able to sleep at night. But if you let people know where you are, you need to know someone can figure out exactly where you live. And um, that's a danger. So my well, yeah, bringing up the live aspect of it is very important because there's no reason why you can't do that virtual tour and record it and then post it later so that you're not letting the world know basically that's watching that virtual tour, you know, where you are. And if you're going on Facebook and, you know, doing a Facebook live or something like that, Everybody knows, okay, like you said, it's not only where you are, but it's where you aren't. So they know you're not at your house. And if they go online and they put in your name and your information and, you know, some general information about the, the geographic location you're at, chances are they're going to be able to locate that. And if they're nearby, guess what? Now they might be going to your house and robbing you and right. stealing your identity and your jewelry and your electronics. So exactly. it works both ways. Exactly. And um, there is some new found joy of going live. Everybody wants to go live. And I know there'll be agents that I cannot talk out of going live. So what I say to them is if you are going to go live, just be aware that this could happen. So you, you're not thinking, oh, it can't happen to me. And so what if I left the door unlocked or whatever, no big deal or whoever's home alone, whatever, mm -hmm. just know that something could happen. And then the uh, fourth major thing that I talk to agents, and this goes to, to everyone, not just agents, but anyone on social media, is that social engineering is in full effect on Facebook. Um, there are criminals who are combing, already combing your social media profiles, anything they can find about you, so they can guess your passwords. Right now, there's a trend on social media on Facebook that everyone's participating in, and there's no reason for anyone to feel shame because it's fun. They ask people, to, hey, let's celebrate the class of 2020. Post your senior picture. So right. everyone is digging out that senior picture and they're saying, you know, this was back in 83 or whatever year and um, this was at my high school, I'm a whatever. And then they're putting it on Facebook. And then also the first car, show us your first car. And I mean, how fun is that? It's fun, we wanna see it. Social media is all about being social, but we have to think like criminals. There is a criminal somewhere trying to figure out your password. And the first thing on any website, when you lose your password, they say, you know, here are the security questions. What was your first car? Yep, that's one of them, very true. I mean, and we're making it easy and there's no shame in people who do it. A lot of my friends do it, no shame in it. I'm just saying at some point you have to think like a criminal and know that they can use that information in order to victimize you, guess your password, hack your account, uh, steal your identity. So you need to be extremely careful with the information that you share on social media. Yeah, because that information, they can extract that out too, because most criminals are not stupid. So especially if they're, they're doing this, this sort of behavior where they're following you, or maybe they've targeted a specific person because they've discovered they have a high net worth or they live nearby and they suspect they've got a lot of money. Maybe they have nice, a couple of nice cars or something like that. So, I mean, posting, for example, the high school you went to, they may think, oh, what was the mascot at that high school? Okay, it was a, a Spartan, it was a Trojan, it was a Husky, it was a whatever, right? So now they start using those and feeding those, that information into some, you know, automated algorithm that's out there trying to hack those accounts. Uh, okay. Same thing, like you said, with the car and the city that you were born and all of these things. And, and you know, it's funny, Tracy, I'll tell you, because it almost makes you wonder, as you're talking about this, it makes me think, you know, there's probably somewhere... Uh, a bad actor that came up with that and say, Ooh, I'm going to start a thread and get everybody to tell everybody what their first car was. And hello, saying. there's the answer to one of your security questions on a lot of yes. sites. So don't That's do it, people. 
And that's exactly what I'm saying. So who's starting these little questions and these quizzes? And then your pets. And we're already, some of the stuff we're already doing, uh, we talk about our cute little fuzzy pets. Of course, we're going to do that on Facebook, on social media. So they have your pet's name, everything they can need. So what I say is enjoy social media, be social, especially in these times now. We're all in on lockdown. So any social interaction we can have, it's good, but just be extremely careful the information you share and how it can be used by kind of bad guy. Specifically with regard to real estate agents, have you found anything specifically that uh, or maybe multiple things that are the most common sort of threats of a digital nature uh, that uh, real estate agents are being sort of a hit with or falling victim to? Is it maybe phishing or, you know, stuff like that? The wire fraud. I mean, that is the biggest wire one fraud. right now in the real estate field. And I had an order, an opportunity to um, do an interview with Boston Globe about all of the crimes against real estate agents. And some of them, you would be amazed that criminals take the time to do that. Wire fraud rises to the list, to the top of the list. And that one is so preventable and it's so easy. I had an opportunity on a regular basis to talk with a couple of um, experts, one a cyber expert and one a tech expert. And both of them said something that struck me um, so profound, so simple. Cyber crimes, any of those crimes and frauds take a simple act in order for them to happen. So that means we as victims have to do something to allow ourselves to be victimized. So that's clicking a link in an email, that's going to a website, that's sending money even to someone who, who simply sends you an email and asks for it. That's preventable. So that's the big deal in the real estate field right now. Um, so real estate agents are doing their jobs. There's disclosure forms and I've gotten emails from real estate agents where there's a disclaimer in the signature section of their email where it says, do not wire money to anyone without talking to me first or without verifying outside of the email, you know, go to the, the source, directly to the right. source, verify before you send it. It's still happening on a regular basis. So, so people it, are saying, hey, I'm interested in this property. I'm going to wire you a down payment. You know, what's your banking information? Or when it's time to close, that's when they really get them. It's time to close. You need to wire the money to the closing agent, to the title company. Um, and so they're thinking, oh, you know, I'm about to buy this house and let me get the money there so I don't have to worry about getting a cashier's check. And they push that button. And you saw the, the, the big news story, Barbara Cochran, um, the biggest, most famous real estate agent in the world. She fell um victim to that. And she made it public because she wanted to educate people. She got an email or one of her assistants said, hey, you need to wire. I think it was $400,000 to pay this bill. And Barbara, without thinking twice, clicked the button. And she said, the money's gone. It's gone. I won't get it back. If you, if you know anything about her, you say you live there, you know, she's a smart woman. So she is saying, if it happened to me as savvy of a business per person as I am, you can see how it can happen to the everyday person. So real estate agents are tasked with telling the, their clients, their consumer, don't do this. Don't wire money. It's, just, it's too easy to prevent. And, and then now when consumers do it, they're suing the agents. They're suing the title companies. They're suing the mortgage companies. So they're angry. They're not getting that money back if they don't follow certain protocols. And they have a certain window of time. If you wire the money, there's a certain window of time, certain process the FBI can get involved where they may be able to get the money back. But by the time they realize that their money is gone, we're past the window. So education right. is so important. Yeah. And, and you, know, you said a lot of it is preventable, but it's, it's um, unbelievable when – 
every single one of us and you know everybody that's listening everybody that gets email you're always on an almost daily basis are getting emails that are obvious phishing emails and the creativity of the criminals, the cyber criminals, is really amazing. And I have a whole folder on my system where when I get a really good one, meaning one that is like, wow, if I didn't know better, I could see where somebody's going to get tricked by this, and I put it in a folder, and I save them. Then I go back and I, I show clients them. And when we do uh, some trainings with employees, we'll actually use those emails kind of as, a, as the template to send out a phishing email to the staff and see how many people bite. You know, by like changing a link and going to like, you know, a dummy page on the site, on the company site that says, you've been tricked. This was a test. Uh, get in my office now. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, I just saw it. I don't know if that was you that I saw. I, did that. I just read that somewhere. And it's like, how brilliant. That's part of the training. And I mean, that's real world because everyone thinks it's not going to ever happen to me. But like you said, um, the emails nowadays, they're good. Um, they're bad, but they're good. Right. And they're you, unbelievably good, a lot of them. And it's scary. Right. In the olden days, you can tell when it was a phishing email because of the misspellings and they didn't use proper grammar. But nowadays... And everybody's husband died and wanted to wire money to get it out of the country. (laughs) We've all got a hundred of those. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And your grandson. And believe it or not, people still fall for those. So I think it's all about education. That's a huge component. Absolutely huge component of the online. Training is a big deal. And that's part of... um, Uh, my challenge is because you said it at the top of the um, conversation, unless something horrible has happened, people are not thinking about safety. So that's what makes my business hard, makes your business hard. I'm sure people don't think they need us until something horrible is in the news. Um, Here in Kansas city, a few years ago, we had a serial rapist. I have never been so popular because all of a sudden people were returning my phone calls. The media showed up. They were coming to my training. I, and I do personal safety, not just real estate and home health. I do general personal safety where I talk about, you know, trusting your gut awareness, having a safety plan, talk about do-it-yourself home security, how to burglar-proof your house, just simple, easy things you can do. So all of a sudden those classes were filled because there was a threat. And after the threat was over, the guy was arrested. And then all of a sudden people get complacent again. Right. Um, and then they forget about it. Exactly. And it'll never happen again. It won't happen here. Same thing in the real estate field. Um, the most recent murder of a real estate agent happened on New Year's Eve. A real estate agent named Monique Bow, And that was in Minnesota. Uh, she did what so many real estate agents do. What I did as a real estate agent, my sister did. What she got a phone call from a potential client and said, meet me at this property. She showed up at the property. She was murdered. And there's countless stories that I can tell um, that that's happened to. And if you think about it, same thing in the home health field. Like I said, I have interviewed home health workers. They've come to the house where I was with my aunts and they didn't have any protection, no training. And all I can do is say, why? You know, yeah, why not? Yeah, but you know what, um, Pete? I want to say here in Kansas, well, I'm right here on the Kansas-Missouri border. A few years ago, maybe about 10 or so years ago, a social worker was actually killed when she was doing a site visit. All of a sudden, legislation was enacted where social workers have to do safety training. So it takes a tragedy before it's um, actually required. The National Association of Realtors mandates all associations and boards must have some kind of safety education for the agents. That's amazing. And that made me happy. The only thing I need now is to make sure 
that the criteria of the trainers, the educators, is where it needs to be. It needs to be professional. The person that you choose to train your agents or your home health staff, they have to be experts. They have to know it inside out or else you're opening yourself up for liability. Uh, so we talked about the digital side of this. So let's talk about it because you kind of started talking about the physical side of it where unfortunately, okay. I mean, obviously the worst thing that could happen physically is you're killed. Uh, right. What um, what would you say are the most, uh, the I guess the crimes against agents of a physical nature? Are they forcible rapes? Are they murders? Um, rapes. Or more, of course, the rape is a crime that female agents worry about. Male agents think, you know, that's not going to happen to me. However, if you look at the crimes against the male agents, physical assault. There's a story. Um, that, Where they're beating um, them up and taking their money kind of thing? Uh, yeah, beating them up, robbing them. Mm-hmm. There was an agent in North Carolina who was sitting in front of a property. He had someone put a gun to his head while he was waiting for his client. Um, agent in a small town in Missouri. He, he was in his office working, a broker owner, and he let someone in who needed to use the restroom or get water or something. And they not only robbed him at gunpoint, but they had a machete to his neck. Um, a male, the last male agent who was killed was in January of last year of 2019, he was an agent as well as a property manager. He went to evict someone and they murdered him when he was there. So um, typically it's going to be robbery as well as physical assault. Those are the crimes that agents need to be aware of. And those again can be prevented with training. I, I never want to blame the victim, but I use those stories as life lessons. You know, what can we all learn from what happened to that agent so that it is not repeated? Sure. Cause we, I mean, you've got to be proactive and you know, you, uh, you can't learn safety by accident. <laughs> it's not the right way to learn it. And, um, you know, the, uh, the time I, is I have, you know, one of my mottos is, you know, the time to prepare is before the need arises because that's when you have to be prepared. You got to be prepared for things before you have a problem because when that you have a problem, it's too late. Exactly. And so you might have all of this training and <laughs> never need to use it. And that's great, but it's better to have it and not need to use it than all of a sudden need it and have never had it and be totally helpless. That's not a good position to be in. And as you know, that's not human nature. We're, we're reactive instead of proactive. So my, my mantra is let's prevent these crimes from happening before they happened. And um, that's, that's a challenge. I'll admit it. I had an education director say, Tracy, I realize the importance of the training that you're talking about. She said, but I have to be honest with you. It's not a good investment to bring you in to pay you to be here because agents are not going to show up for the class, not unless you're teaching them how to make more money. So that was my aha moment. That's why I created that designation. I found a way to tell agents, here's a way for you not only to work safely, but how to make more money. So I created some handouts and takeaways, some marketing tools for agents to use to protect the consumer. So here's a a checklist for uh, FISBOs, for for sell by owners who are selling their houses on their own. They're letting strangers in. They don't realize the danger. So, hey, real estate agent, take this FISBO safety tip sheet, staple your business card to it, and just be a good neighbor, share it with the FISBO. So they're doing that. Uh, Here's a safety, a security checklist. When you take a listing, tell the homeowners to get those valuables out of sight, the electronics, the jewelry, anything, get that out of sight. So I've had an opportunity to um, work with them in order to do that. So I pulled up uh, your website here, um, safetyandsecuritysource.com, and uh, okay. the programs page here. So you have different programs, uh, you know, real estate safety programs and, uh, you know, personal safety, 
you know, you know, in terms of a general nature. And then of course, right. uh, as you were mentioning earlier about the home health safety stuff, which right. is fantastic because these are, as you said, they're people that are out and about, they're meeting with strangers and you don't know who these people are. You don't know if they're good people, bad people or somewhere in between. It's and, scary. uh, you know, by nature, we want to, as human beings, trust other people. We feel everyone is, is good until they kind of prove us otherwise, because exactly. we don't want to be so suspect of everyone that we treat everyone as, as a criminal. I mean, that's, and, and we don't want to be overly paranoid all the time and, and view everybody as a, as a possible threat. However, right. That being said, we also have to make sure that we don't drop our guard, that we retain that awareness, and that we have, as you put it before, a safety plan so that if things do go south or if we have, get at that bad feeling in our gut that, you know what, something just is not right, you better start implementing that safety program or that safety protocol that you've established or had established for you or with you to understand, okay, this is where I'm at, this is what I think could be going on here, what am, what am I going to do? And then you start to implement those things as quickly as possible to hopefully mitigate the risk and to keep yourself safe and secure. Because at the end of the day, nothing else matters if our, we, we're not safe and we're not secure. And if we feel threatened, that is uh, not a good feeling to have. <laughs> exactly. And you, you hit the nail on the head. And I uh, didn't mention it earlier, but I start every single safety presentation saying every animal in nature is born with a survival mechanism, a tool that can, if we listen to it, we could avoid ever being victimized. And it's, you know, instinct, intuition, sixth sense, gut, whatever you want to call it. If we listen to our bodies, we, would, we wouldn't be victimized. And again, every animal in nature has it. Human beings are the only ones who ignore it. And we brush that feeling aside because we don't want to offend someone. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So we ignore the voice that's warning us. So that's the first thing I say. And I said, if you don't hear me say anything else during this program, hear that. Listen to your body. Trust your gut. It is hardly ever wrong. Absolutely. You get that feeling of pity your stomach or the hair stands up on the back of your neck or just some just not feel right. There's a high chance and a high probability that that is something you need to pay attention to. It's there for a reason, and you should act on it. Don't ignore it. And it, and you said it. Why do people ignore it? Because they're afraid. Everybody's so politically correct now. It makes me insane. They don't want to offend anybody. Well, what happens if, if there's nothing wrong with this person, and I'm treating them like they could be a possible threat to me? So, okay, well, so you make a mistake, but what's the alternative? If you make a mistake and you, you you hurt somebody's feelings, you could always say to them, look, you know, I just didn't feel safe, you know, when we were there. I don't know what it was, but, you know, something just didn't feel right and whatever. You can always apologize later if you have to. Right. But if something happens and you do nothing about it, there will be no later to apologize to. No later. Exactly. And I know you know who Gavin D. Becker is, and that is probably my favorite book of all time. I have it here on my desk, and whenever I'm bored, I pick up that book. Um, I first saw him on the Oprah show when he talked about his book, um, The Gift of Fear, Fear Signals, and it should be on everyone's required reading list because that book tells you why, um, why you need to listen to your body, how it's hardly ever wrong. So that book should be required reading for everyone. And then I tell agents, let's say it turns out that everything is mm, okay, apologize. Apologize to them like you said, give them an explanation or a story, but that feeling doesn't come from nowhere. It came from somewhere, whether they meant you harm or something was wrong, it didn't come from nowhere anywhere right. if it, it uh, oh no it i mean that's it's there for a reason and you said it's instinctual 
It's something that is instinctual in all animals, and we have it, and yet, like you said, we're the only ones that ignore it. If animals in nature ignored it, <laughs> certain species would not exist <laughs> because they wouldn't be, you know, acting on it and to, you know, in the interest of self-preservation, and that's essentially what it boils down to is self-preservation. Agreed. So in the, you know, in the current uh, environment right now, uh, as we're all locked down and, and dealing with our own self-preservation from this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, what are, you know, the real estate market is one where obviously you're going into different places and you're handling, you know, doorknobs and, and moving throughout, you know, homes and stuff and somebody's homes may be occupied. And I don't know how this has affected real estate agencies, agents uh, and different agencies around the country. Cause I know the parameters are different. Governors have put different, uh, you know, safeguards and restrictions in place for all different industries, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, realtors being one of them. Uh, so, but, even when those restrictions are lifted, even if you're not actively going out and, and meeting people at, at properties, at some point that will happen. So there are going to be threats that exist as a result of this COVID-19. So maybe could you talk a little bit about that since that's obviously on everybody's minds and uh, it'll be on the minds of real estate agencies, agents too, as they're going out and about and meeting people and you know getting in different homes and buildings. Right. This whole um, COVID-19 um, COVID process, the crisis, is going to teach real estate agents, as well as consumers, as the buyer and seller, a whole new way to do business. How often have we said, um, you know, it's dangerous to meet a complete stranger at a house? And then agents do it anyway. They all do it anyway. Now agents don't have a choice. So like you said, depending on the state they live in, whether or not real estate is deemed essential determines whether or not they can actually show property. For the most part, um, and with the National Association of Realtors taking a lead on this, um, open houses are out. So there's no agent who will be sitting in a house, an empty house, waiting for people to walk in. It's not going to happen. Now, in some cases, agents may be able to show properties, and it depends on where they live. So in those situations, you have to pay attention to um, to protecting not only yourself, but also the consumer, the seller, and the buyer. One of the first things that the National Association of Realtors had to do is they had to let the public know that we are enforcing and we have to abide by fair housing laws. So first and foremost, before we even get started, you cannot discriminate against someone by the basis of, on the basis of their country of origin. So that's just, I lead with that. My sister said, what does that have to do with safety? I say it right up front because that's going to determine whether or not a person, a seller feels comfortable with someone coming in their house. So let's move past that. Um, you have to know as an agent, agents need to know they have the right to ask sellers if for some reason they do get to tour the property. And if the agent, um, let me back up, virtual tours is the way anything is happening right now in real estate. Um, my sister sold a million plus dollar property with a client across the country. They never showed up. So I hear stories about agents doing it all of the time. It can be done. So agents can have virtual open houses and virtual tours. So that's step number one. If after that point, a, a, buyer says, I'm really interested in this property, depending on where the agent lives, depending on the rules, they can actually show up to show that property. Now, in that situation, agents need to know that they have the right to ask the sellers. Has anyone here had any uh, COVID, any virus symptoms? Have any, has anyone here ever had the actual virus? Has anyone traveled abroad? 
they need to know that they have a right to ask that. And so often, because they're concerned about fair housing and discrimination um, practices and being politically correct, they don't think they do. But it's life or death now. So you have um, you have a right to do that. Sellers also have the right to ask the same questions of the agents as well as potential buyers. You know, are you sick? Have you had symptoms? as well as to request that they prepare themselves before they come into the property. You, um, they can insist that they wear booties. They can insist that they wear masks or even gloves. Sure. On the side of that, the agents can ask the sellers to disinfect the property, disinfect the hard surfaces um, that are likely to be touched. And to take it a step further, um, leave cabinets, doors, or closets open so that's less that we have to touch. So in the COVID age, there are things that you can do if you have to be face-to-face with the clients, um, but know that most of the work that's being done is virtual. That's um, going as far as closings, inspections. And my sister said uh, on her property, she was able to be present with the inspector or the inspector nowadays can have their own cameras and they can virtually walk a seller or a buyer through the property right there on site. You know, what do you want to see now? What do you need to see? So everything can be done virtually in the real estate process right now. And agents need to embrace that. And that may, that some of that is going to carry over after the virus is over with. And that's for the better. It's a safe yeah, Cause I think, you know, we've got the, current virus, but that doesn't mean it's never going to happen again. And so I think the, you know, the hyper awareness that we all have now about cleanliness. And I mean, if I hear somebody tell me to wash my hands one more time, I'm going to scream, right? Because I I know, (laughs) right? But I mean, these people are all just doing their job. They're making sure that, you know, they're informing the public about the risks to safety. And, you know, yes, we should probably all wash our hands a little bit more. And now, we probably all will because of of what's currently occur, you know, happened in the world with this. But Going forward, I think you're right that the world, you know, overall is, is going to be changed permanently because of this. And, you know, taking a look at the specific, you know, slice of real estate in terms of, of agents and going into buildings and how they interact with people, that definitely is going to have changed. And, and that's a great idea about having sellers, you know, leave the cabinets and the closet doors and everything open. So it limits the amount of contact that outsiders, you know, need to do while they're in there. And they have to be aware of these things. And, you know, there are going to be provisions and there are going to have to be things that change as a result of this. And uh, some of them are going to be for the better and some of them won't be. But in the interest of our safety, in the interest of everyone's health, they just are going to have to be that way. And eventually we'll all be used to doing things a new way. Uh, And it's strange because for people that, you know, knew what it was like before, you know, just like things like 9-11 that people remember what the world was like before 9-11. And then there's the post 9-11, you know, when we have, you know, the, the, the crash in 2008, there was the pre-crash and there's the post-crash. And now we've got kind of the, the pre-COVID-19 world and the post-COVID-19 world. So these things come along, you know, unfortunately, uh, with some degree of frequency. Uh, thank God we haven't had a major pandemic in over 100 years, but it's been about 100 years uh, or so that these things hit. And scientists have been warning us for a long time that, you know, these superbugs are out there, that, uh, you know, they get resistant to the drugs that are out there. They can evolve very quickly. And depending on how they are transmitted and how they affect you and who they affect, et cetera, et cetera, the awareness of all of this has really, I think, long term, it's going to be a benefit to all of us to understand now how these things can affect us and in some ways very, very dramatically. Uh, So in some regards, it's a good thing, but 
the same token, it's also sad because a lot of things aren't going to be the same for a long time, if ever. And that's right. really what, what makes me, you know, a bit bummed out about it. A little sad. Right. I agree. And then think about, um, you talked about um, the real estate field being different. Think about the home health field. I have a friend who owns a home health company. She has to go into clients' homes and they're, they're already uh, compromised health-wise. So now here's a whole different level of um, workers, strangers coming into a home um, with someone who's already sick and vulnerable. So there's a whole different level of training and protocol involved there. So that, that part of my business is a part, like I said, that I'm focusing more on now because the training is necessary. Um, technology. Technology is playing a big role in the way um, that agents and even home health workers are safe. One thing that I have found, I've been doing this for 25 years, and um, I also do um, the writing and I also get to feature different safety products. And um, on my TV station, that's what I do. I get to tell everybody what's new and on the market. I would always have someone, companies coming to me, hey, Tracy, here's this, here's this, share this. And it's like, no. No, no, no. Technology moves too quickly, especially safety apps. Now, that is a bone of contention with me because there will be a great safety app. You know, they're good today and everybody gets on board and they buy it. And then the company's out of business the next day. So there's not really uh, been a lot of longevity in the, the fields, but the, the apps that are popular they have to have certain features before I will even discuss them. One, there has to be a GPS component. Um, the, the app has to tell when you're in danger, it has to tell where you are so that help can arrive. Number two, if the app sends a message, uh, email or a text message to your um, group of friends or your emergency contacts, I say that's a no-go. Too many times people have their phones and their purses and the car somewhere. And if you're out in the field and you're in danger and you call for help and that message is going to these people who don't have their phones with them, you're in trouble. So by then the, the damage is already done. Uh, you're already in danger. It's too late for help. So I always look for what's different and what's new. And um, I found, and I want to say, usually they come to me, but there's one that I found. It's like, wait a minute, this is different. So there is an app that actually allows whoever's in the field to push a button when they're in danger. And then a live person, and that's a requirement for any app. A live person is sitting there looking at a video of the person who's in danger. So they're not hearing a phone conversation or a conversation. They're looking at them and they can see what's going on. They can see what kind of trouble. And they also have the information, um, any health or medical information, if they have allergies or any condition. So they have everything right there. And if help is needed, needed they're pushing a button, sending it um, to law enforcement officials. So you know from the time that gut's telling you something's wrong, you're pushing the button, someone's there with you. So I am, I'm in, can I say I'm in love with it? Because it's something different, innovative and revolutionary. So I'm always on the lookout for things like that. What's new and what's different um, to help keep people safe. And not just in those fields, but in general, what's out there. Right. Yeah, and that's one of the things we do is we, we feature safety products on the show as well to let people know what products and are, are out there that can improve your safety. And, uh, and I've had some, some really good ones on that are, you know, like personal safety alarm type devices that can, you know, you know, set off alarms. Uh, I had one called silent beacon, uh, was a, a fantastic product. Um, there's another product called uh, wander safe, which is, you know, lets people, you know, you can mark plate down when you feel safe or not safe and you can summon assistance. And, uh, you know, there's, so there are definitely a lot of, of cool products out there. Uh, some do, you know, they come up with a kind of flash in a pan, you know what I mean? Because they are, they're hard to, to do. Um, I myself have one that I'm in development with oh. that, uh, 
I've built in a reward point system to get people to keep the app and use the app so oh. that they can, you know, they'll get basically like a safety question of the day. And if they answer it right, they'll get a point. They get so many points and they'll be able to redeem them for something. So it, it enables them to be engaged because just telling people safety information randomly, that, you know, if they're not getting anything from it, and it's sad to say, but you could be saving your life by having it. But, you know, apparently it's not, it's not enough for some people. You know, they want to, you know, well, give me an Amazon gift card or give me something or give me, you know, give me a, give me some, a prize for, for things. So, you know, we're always, look, people are always looking for something uh, as a reward for behavior, whatever it happens to be. And so, so I think that's, a, that's an important component to ensure people that keep using an app and not get sick of it or say, yeah, I don't really see the value in it or, you know, it's, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, but you've got to use something and technology allows us to really choose from a, a wide range of products. And when you have somebody who's reviewing products like you or me or someone else that is saying, hey, look, this product's got some great features. This is what it can do. Maybe it's will work for you. Maybe it won't, but it's worth checking out and decide for yourself, you know, because there you are. There are a lot of them out there and it's sometimes difficult to wade through that massive amount of results when you do a search for a certain type of app, right? All of a sudden it's like, there are 8,242 results. And it's like, I don't know which one is good, right? right. So right. it makes it difficult. So, so when, let's, uh, let's, let me ask you this. There are always obstacles and there are always challenges, right? Right. In safety, we run into these things. So what are some of the obstacles or challenges that maybe you're working on to, to help others uh, better, I guess is a way to put it. I, you know, I, I, I think perception, I have to say perception, finding a way to tell everyone or to convince people that safety training is not an afterthought. It's not a um, last minute, oh, somebody can do it or anyone can do it. it. It requires expertise and you need to respect the expertise, respect the re research, respect the knowledge and um, don't assign that important role to just anybody. So that's been probably my biggest challenge is trying to convince people that you need someone like me, you need someone like you, someone who makes a living doing this and who won't just, oh, I, I found the PowerPoint, so all of a sudden I'm a safety expert. So respect the expertise. And listen to the experts. Don't, you know, don't listen and then forget about it. Right. You have to act on that knowledge. You know, knowledge is only half of the battle. You know, right. and you, I tell people in my self-defense classes all the time, for example, you know, I could show you the coolest self-defense technique in the world that would work absolutely perfectly for whatever the given situation happens to be. But if you can't bring yourself to use it because you can't put yourself in the right mindset, that survivor mindset, that warrior mindset, what good is it? Exactly. So there are, everything has a component that will allow the solution to be effective or not effective. And so that's just as important as knowing what the right thing to do is or the right policy or the right uh, plan or the right move or whatever it happens to be. So they, they go hand in hand and it's, uh, it's something that people need to understand that training cannot be an afterthought. It has to be something that is done proactively. It has to be something that is done consistently <laughs> and it has to be done with the right, I think, perception of why you're doing it. It's, it's something that's being done to protect you from whatever, whether it's identity theft or having an account be hacked, whether it's your finances, your investments in something online, or it's something offline where you have to worry about 
you know, not paying enough attention to the world around you because you're distracted by technology that is, you know, making you drop your guard or you're getting stuck in your routines that also make you drop your guard because you expect things to be the same day after day after day because they've been the same day after day after day. But that sort of complacency is very, very dangerous, especially for someone that is uh, that's maybe doing the same sort of job every day, you know, whether it's, you know, showing houses every day or doing home health every day or doing some other, you know, service or traveling. If you're doing things all the time, it could be as simple as walking your dog or going to the grocery store. If you're doing it all the time, you always expect it to be the same until one day maybe it's not. And if you're not ready for that, you're not going to have a real good outcome. And so that's something that, you know, you and I and others that do safety trainings try to drill into people is that today could be the day that there is a threat to your personal safety. So are you ready for it? Have you thought about it? What are you doing? Where are you going? Do you have a plan? And so very, very important. So, so thank you for that. Um, Is there uh, any sort of key, I guess, tactic or practice or anything that you really try to drill into people? You know, that, that maybe those listening are thinking, you know what, that would be awesome if I could just do this, you know, and this would help me become safer. I can't say it enough. I can't say it enough. And it's so simple. You know what I'm going to say. Trust your gut. That's the number one thing. Um, don't try to talk yourself out of what your gut's saying. Don't try to blow it off. Don't try to um, explain it away. Um, when working with agents, you know, I, there was an agent who had who told a story about a client who was coming into the office and to meet another agent. And she said, I had a bad feeling about him. Do you know him? She said, no, not really. She said, why? She said, but I just, something is wrong. And she couldn't figure out what was wrong. So the agent went off and looked at property with the um, client or the maybe would be perpetrator. And later on, it turned out he was not who he said he was. So it was a bad story. And she said, what did you see that I didn't see? And she said, my gut told me I couldn't make sense of it here, but my gut said something was wrong. But after I had time to look it over and think about it, you know, things didn't add up. So she started listing some things that were obvious, glaring things, but didn't make sense in the time. So what I tell people is don't try to make sense of it. Don't try to use logic. If your gut's saying get out, get out. Um, we talk about I think that's an excellent point is to don't try to use logic in that situation because you're, you're not going to be thinking straight. You're going to be feeling and that feeling is going to be taking over you. So if you try to you know, sort of rationalize it. Well, maybe it's just because they had a bad day or maybe maybe that's why they're acting that way. Or maybe it's just me or, you know, we're going to try to do everything we can to justify the opposite of what we should be hearing. And so that's great advice for people because it exists for a reason. You know, don't drop your guard. Always have that awareness, you know, factor as I always tell people. But yes, if you've got that feeling that something just isn't right, you know, those, that awareness you know, antennas really got to skyrocket up. You've got to really be finely tuned into it and really pay that much more attention because, you know, something's not right. Maybe I better pay a little bit more attention or maybe take a couple of extra precautions or, you know, maybe I'm going to touch base with the office before I meet this person just one more time and let them know I'm going to be there in 10 minutes. And if I don't check in in 10 minutes, you know, there's something wrong or that kind of thing, you know, just take a little, whatever that, that policy happens to be, whatever the procedures are, whatever the safety plan calls for, do that. And, Know what it is. Don't be trying to make it up as you go. Know what to do because it's not being paranoid. It's being prepared. And that allows you to relax more. And when you, because if you know what you're going to do, you don't have to stress about it. It's when you don't know what to do that you're going to stress. That's that's when the problem, if you know going in, I I say um, play the what if game. 
and this is for just everyday people, what if I walk to my car today and someone's following me? If I thought about it in advance, then I know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to turn around and go back inside or I'm going to make it to my car. I'm going to get my pepper spray out. But if I don't think about it in advance and I just hope that I can figure it out when it happens, I'm not going to be as prepared. So I tell agents, play the what if game. I tell regular people, play the what if game. You're in bed in the middle of the night. Someone's coming in your house. What are you going to do? What is your plan? So don't wait and get caught off guard. No, in advance, don't be paranoid. I used to hate when people say, oh, this is a store for paranoid people or you're paranoid. It's like, no, I'm proactive. So always be prepared for whatever may happen and don't let it run your life. Don't let it uh, rule your life, but just know in the back of your mind that you will have a plan if things go wrong. Absolutely. Everybody has a plan. I mean, that's why the military has a plan. That's why, you know, businesses have a business plan. And that's why cybersecurity, there's the cybersecurity plan. There are plans for things for those what-if scenarios. So we're, we're flying through our hour here, Tracy, so it's great. Um, so a couple more things before I let you go. Um, now, we talked about some online threats. We talked about offline threats. At this point in time, I would, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway, um, because of the current situation. But what type of threats do you feel, not just you know, in the current environment, but overall are more of a threat to someone in the real estate field, online threats or offline threats to their personal safety? Well, it could be both. Think about it. There are victims of cyber crime in the real estate field. There are victims of um, physical crimes. One area that I talk about in my uh, training class is uh, we talk about smart home and smartphone safety. So we talk about uh, being in a smart home nowadays. There are so many different concerns that agents need to be um, thinking about. One of them is assume there is a camera everywhere. Now, this is for not only your safety, but it's also for your business part of it, the negotiation. When you're on the front porch, there could be a ring, not necessarily a ring. It could be a video doorbell. The minute you step on the front porch, if your buyers are talking about, oh my God, this house is horrible. It's not in good shape. And you're inside and you're talking, there could be a camera. I had an agent tell me that he showed a property, the sellers, the buyers loved it. So after they looked at the property, they sat down in the living room to talk about it. The buyer said, no matter what, we're getting this house, but let's start low. Let's see if we can get a deal. The sellers were listing. So guess how much they paid for the house? Full well, price, asking price. <laughs> talk about uh, digital assistance, people uh, getting their identity stolen in so many different ways. Digital assistance, we're talking about like Alexa, we're talking about Nest. Um, you, can act, you can be talking about a transaction and not realize that your digital assistant heard a keyword and it's recording your conversation. And there's a recording, Alexa keeps those recordings somewhere and you have to go into your settings and make sure you are saying, you know, don't send my information to Alexa to make my experience better or more personal you have an option to set the settings on your recordings um, on your any conversation so if you have those you need to know you can accidentally trigger that uh, device and you can also accidentally call someone if you say the wrong word all of a sudden your device is calling someone and you could you could be talking about them and even yeah, I don't with, like those devices Alexa's and but even with a smartphone I have a smartphone how many times have I all of a sudden all of a sudden looked at my phone and said listening is like why are you listening? What keyword did I say? I used to They're look always listening. That's the problem. I mean, if you've got a cell phone, everything you say is getting in there. And you it's probably happened to you because I know it's happened to me where you're talking about something. And all of a sudden, you start seeing ads on your phone and your Facebook feed for the things that you were just talking about that you never even touch your phone and search for. You just maybe were talking with your buddy about it. And you're like, scary, but even even more scary, um, scarier is when your phone all of a sudden turns on and says listening. And you're saying, 
What did I say? Why are you listening to me? I'm here at home. I'm not even trying to do that. And it's listening. Or I, I've seen a little eyeball on the top of my phone, and we get mad. However, if we choose those free apps and people zip through those disclaimers, and it says we want access to your uh, microphone, we want access to your camera, your contact list, in the interest of getting something free, we're checking yes, 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 give me the free app. And that's free a big app. problem. Free is not free. You're paying and you've given them permission to listen in. You're giving them permission to access your microphone and camera. So I tell people, if you have to pay a little more for the non-free version where you don't have to sell your soul, then it's worth it. Otherwise, the free version, you need to know that you are going to be, um, you can be, your privacy is going to be, it's going to be invaded. It's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when because it's happening and it's happening all the time. And finally, um, do your homework. Do your homework whenever you decide if um, any device, any safety device you listed, a couple um, that I follow alerts, um, the agent safe walk, those are the two that I know about. Do your homework, check them out. And not only if you sign up for them, you need to test them in real life and um, trigger it and make sure it's actually going to work. So that way, you know, in a dangerous situation, whether or not um, help is truly on the way. So got to test always intentional. So, I, uh, unfortunately, we are getting to the end here. I don't want to keep you too long. We've been about an hour already. So, um, if uh, people are interested in learning about Tracy, the safety lady, Hawkins, uh, our listeners can obviously visit your website. Uh, I mentioned safetyandsecuritysource.com. Uh, I'm assuming they can also search and uh, connect with you on social media as well, right? Yeah, Twitter, uh, Instagram, I'm Tracy the Safety Lady, Facebook, I'm Safety and Security Source, that's my website as well. Or someone said they Googled me, they Googled Tracy the Safety Lady and they found me, so here I am. There you go, so awesome. Well, I'll make sure I post the links along with the, uh, the interview. Okay, wonderful. That way people make it easy to connect with you. And uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Do you have uh, any last thoughts for our audience before I let you go? Thank you for doing what you do, Pete. I've watched some of your episodes and someone had to do it. Someone has to bring all of the safety and security um, experts and professionals together and give the information to the people. They don't know where else to go. So I want to say thank you for doing what you do. Well, I appreciate that. That's awesome. So any of our listeners that want to get any free information about cybersecurity, uh, we, we talked about that a little bit. You can uh, discover the several, seven simple steps to a cybersecurity program for your business at cyberbizplan.com. We we're talking about the importance of plans, obviously, earlier. So uh, thanks again to Tracy Safety Lady for being here. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Safety Talk. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe and get the latest safety information and our past episodes at safetytalkpodcast.com or wherever you happen to listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget, you can also watch video interviews of our episodes at the YouTube channel at safetytalkvideos.com. So until next time, everybody, please stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.